You will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God. No other exists. Never again will my people be put to shame. After that, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters and your children will prophesy. Your old people will dream dreams, and your young people will see visions. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jonah, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm one of your pastors here at Zao. Joined today during sermon time by... Hello, my name is Cameron. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am also one of the pastors here at Zao. And for today, uh, in this last sermon time that, that I will uh, be present for before I go on parental leave, uh, it happened to fall on the 4th of July... And uh, I think that, you know, this is a holiday that normally would pass without incident at Zao. But since uh, we just finished a series on sacred rhythms and uh, we are about to hand off the, the preaching and teaching responsibilities to uh, the community, which will hold us while we are gone on parental leave, uh, we thought we would take the opportunity to just sort of unpack the 4th of July, uh, what it means to... Um, be the church in a, in a nation that, that celebrates its own self in um, some particular ways, and compare that to some other frameworks that we could have as Christians um, and as people living in this country. So uh, first of all, I just wanted to kind of check in about your history with church and the 4th of July. And anybody in comments, including if you're on the lawn and you want to like log in on, on Facebook or whatever and contribute to the conversation in comments, please do that. I think it's really rad that we can have these conversations together. Um, but I would love to hear from y'all in comments and from you, like, what's the deal with church on the 4th of July? Yeah, I mean, so I grew up in an evangelical church who very much celebrated the 4th of July. Um, we had the American flag up on the stage. And uh, as a drummer, I had to know, you know, like what, the battle hymn of the Republic and all those kind of you know, because it was all about um, patriotism, um, the sacrifice that the, the men and women, of course, because we didn't talk about any other people that, that, um, that, were, that were given, um, as well as how, how much freedom we now have and how lucky it is that we, uh, in this God-fearing um, land, uh, are here today to be able to, to worship the way that uh, we can worship with the freedoms that we have here in America. Yeah, I... You know, I grew up a tiny little communist, even in the church. So some of this is actually new to me. I want to get back to the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I'm going to put a pin in that because I actually love that song. Um, have we talked about that before? Yes, we have. Yeah, I love the <laughs> Battle Hymn of the Republic. But, uh, but that hymn aside, um, I, I didn't grow up with flags in churches. I didn't know that uh, my dad... Lutheran pastor, member of this community, John Holm, um, was somebody who, that was like the first fight that he would pick in congregations, is, is to take out the flag. And I've known so many pastors who have tried to do this. Like a lot of pastors really deeply desire to take the American flag out of the sanctuary, um, but experience extreme resistance in their communities. And so I've known some of them just like quietly scoot it like an inch every Sunday. <laughs> 
<laughs> until it's like behind something and then someday, someday just gone. Um, but these are like years long campaigns. Um, and I wonder why it is that we are so, uh, so wedded to it, uh, this idea this kind of God bless America version of, of Christianity. Um, is that something that you ever grew up questioning or was it just taken for granted so much so that you took it for granted too? Yeah, I mean, I was obviously like the rebellious child that had some of those questions that was like, okay, but we also had, there's like a Christian flag too. Right. Right, it's, it, anyway. So we had both of those. And I always was kind of like, yeah, but, didn't you say that we're not supposed, like, God is first um, and all those things? Well, of course God is first. And if people were taking away our freedom to worship how we want, then, of course, we would stand, in, you know, for that. We wouldn't stand for that. But, like, that was the only um, kind of nuanced piece to that. So it, it wasn't, they had zero problem with patriotism. They had zero problem with, like, that that we're conflating two things together um, and in, in some really like awkward ways though as a kid being like, I don't know if I'm supposed to just like, I don't know, bow down to Caesar as we might say now. Oh snap, I, I'm with you. I, so as a kid, again, tiny communist, blame my parents. Um, but I didn't, the, you've heard this story a thousand times but the Pledge of Allegiance didn't sit right with me. Um, it just, it sounded a lot like a liturgical prayer. I had grown up among kind of older Lutherans when I was a real little kid learning the Pledge of Allegiance, and it sounded a lot like the Lord's Prayer or like some of the other liturgies that we would say. And then I, you know, so I'd go to school, and I went to elementary school in an era where it was mandated by law, which is really creepy, that, um, that you begin the day by making all the children stand up and put their hand over their heart and say a pledge of allegiance to a flag. And I thought that that sounded like, <laughs> I thought it sounded a lot like a prayer. And so I was really bummed out about that. And I was like, I don't pray to flags. Um, and my, my brownie troop was meeting in the church at the time. And so all of it was getting really confusing for me because we would meet at the church and then there were we were supposed to be in some parade or something probably and there were like there was like flag twirling involved and i was like all about twirling the flag i thought that was cool but then we were supposed to like stop and put our hands over our hearts and say the pledge of allegiance and when we got to that point of practicing to be in this parade i did what i had learned i was allowed to do in school which was just stand quietly and respectfully and my brownie troop leaders got very confused and then we had a conversation about like, oh, I don't pray to flags. And then they got more confused. And then it was in no short order that it was suggested that maybe brownies wasn't the right place for me. Um, well, you were better than I. I mean, like, I, I don't think that I really had any kind of understanding of that until later. In fact, it was, you know, I, Pledge of Allegiance, we absolutely did that. Um, you know, I think there were a lot of military families um, that came from my town. Um, and so things like uh, Memorial Day, all those things were like really, really baked in. And I think all of that also at, you know, Fourth of July, that would that would happen. Um, but like Pledge of Allegiance, like I, I did that. I didn't even think about that until later because it says under God. Right. Um, and in fact, it was like the heathens 
who <laughs> um, would like not do that, and we would talk about how that like how bad that was that they wouldn't do it, right? So um, yeah, I I wish I would have had a larger understanding than I did. I, I feel like I'm I'm making it sound like I knew all of these things when I was little because I definitely did not really understand. I always questioned it, but I was met with answers even if they weren't satisfactory. Yeah, well, if anyone's curious about the history of the Pledge of Allegiance, it is weird and interesting. And it was used as a tool of um, deprogramming uh, or programming indoctrination. I mean, it was explicitly an indoctrination tool for immigrants to try and strip them of the identity that had been generational in their families and root them in an identity of being an American. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that it was part of a broad campaign that really worked to whitewash um, all kinds of um, immigrant families and communities and children. And, uh, and it's, it's horrifying to me that then that also worked not just with ethnic identities, but also with Christian identity, that, uh, that we were taught that, you know, to be American is to be Christian, but to be Christian then is to be American, um, which seems really counter to the gospel to me. <coughs> Especially when we look at, um, the, you know, the work of the early church in kind of like breaking out of uh, a, a central identity of the, the chosen people of God, remain the chosen people of God, the Jewish people, and in addition to that, all, all nations are invited in. Um, and so I, it seems really counterintuitive to me that we would be the same church screwing up uh, the gospel by going around the world as missionaries and and abusing people into um, saying the sinner's prayer and then also be the people who are, you know, having waving the American flag in our sanctuaries and saying, God bless America, America first, as though we're, we're conflating the two. That's all I have to say on that. I don't know if you want to say anything else to that. I agree. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, I think that there are other frameworks, though, and I think that this is really interesting. Like, why is it that that Independence Day, which is really about a dispute um, between uh, really rich, monarchical, terrible uh, landowning white men and really rich, you know, philosophical, terrible landowning white men, like why that, why that conflict then becomes part of the national identity of people who fit none of those categories, um, and not only part of the national identity, but the Christian and spiritual identity to where they become conflated. Like this just seems like the wrong story to hitch our wagon to. And this is why I love the Battle Hymn of the Republic, because the Battle Hymn of the Republic was not written for the American Revolution. It was written for the Civil War. And it was actually about the abolition of slavery. And we've changed the words since because the words feel really harsh. So um, the, the words as they've come to be are something about living so people can be free or whatever. And it has this very like, we've really co-opted it into this like live free or die kind of energy that's pretty gross. But the original lyrics was Christ died so that we might live, let us die I'm going to screw up these words, but Christ died that we might live, let us die to make men free, or we died, that Christ died to make men live, 
let us die to make men free. Anyway, whatever. The point is, it was about being willing to, um, to fight for the liberation of all people and for the freedom of all people, not in a 4th of July independence, forget the king kind of way, but in a slavery is wrong and cruel. It is our Christian faith that, that calls us to put our very lives on the line that, that people can be made free from the shackles of real material slavery that have been imposed on them by the cruelties of this earth. And that sounds like Jesus to me. Well, and that sounds like a reason why we shouldn't really celebrate July 4th, and we should all as Christians be really, really celebrating Juneteenth. Juneteenth! Right? Because, like, there is no reason to celebrate July 4th for me um, because my ancestors were not free, right? So, like, independence for who? Um, you know, and, and I think there's tons of... of um, historical just like beauty and um po not poetry but writings of of black people saying like you know what is independence day to the slave right and and so once again why did i not know about juneteenth until i started i had to get to college <laughs> um and start like learning about myself because of course not everybody is teaching anti-racist education. Not everybody is teaching black history. Um, and so I don't even know these things growing up, you know, celebrating July 4th, like I would have been free then? Like that's, that's bananas. And so I think that the, the Christian thing to do is to not celebrate July 4th and to say that like Juneteenth was the first literal step for black folks um, to, to be free and also like, Independence Day, July 4th, on land that was stolen, and it was literally, what, a, a war about who, who got to co colonize uh, other people's land. Absolutely. And, like, what are we celebrating, right? Yeah. And I think that even the basic framework around Independence Day as, like, kind of America first, um, no one's going to control us. But who is us? I mean, because, yes, there are lots of dominating forces still. And like you said, it's, it was a fight over who got to, to control the spoils of, of uh, colonized, dominated land. Uh, and, and what, 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 why? 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 So, but then Juneteenth, right? Even just the words, the basic words that we use to talk about it. July 4th, Independence Day. Oh, Christ our liberator came that we might be independent. You've never heard me say that. <laughs> I don't think we've ever heard anyone say that because even independence itself is this very hyper-individualized, Americanized um, concept of the self above others, the self as uncontrollable, the self as supreme. Whereas Juneteenth has always been a, a rhetoric of freedom, freedom from slavery, slavery, which is the one of the central images of the Christian gospel, freedom from slavery. Even through the centuries and generations of Christians failing and screwing that up and enslaving people and, you know, whatever, there have also always been folks who have been oppressed or been enslaved using the texts of the gospel to know in their heart that God longs for them to be free and it is their, their created call to fight for that freedom. That freedom is not about uh, independence, 
Freedom is about wholeness and healing and the liberation of all people. And so even just the basic imagery of like Independence Day, American flags, hot dogs and fireworks versus Juneteenth, freedom for all, liberation, breaking the chains. I mean, that first one sounds very... What? What? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and the second one sounds very Christ-like, sounds very gospel-centered. Um, and so I would love, you know, what would it look like if we got the American flag and the 4th of July out of our churches and also started really intentionally as a, as a spiritual holiday celebrating Juneteenth as a call towards freedom and the liberation of all people. Not as a final step, but as, as an important historical step in the, in the path toward the kingdom. Well, I think I would be nervous about that to start. Sure. Because uh, white people, right? So like Juneteenth is a very black celebration, right? And it, it has to be, and I think that that's a sacred space. Um, and, right, when we talk about solidarity, when we talk about liberation, that really does mean all of us need to be free. Um, some of us need to be freed from white supremacy. Um, I think that, well, we all need to be freed from white supremacy, but I think that what, what white churches should do is use Juneteenth as, like, uh, reparations day sure. um, should be white churches day of of beginning um, freedom beginning to like look look and think about what they've done <laughs> what they've done and they've continued to do um, and will continue to do but I think that maybe if if white churches said listen this is our reparations day um, uh, you know reparations should probably be more than just one day but uh, if, if that was how it started, my goodness, how how different that would be than yeah. spending all the money on uh, fireworks and your big giant flags outside of um, <laughs> your church buildings and put that money towards where it should be going, which is for reparations for, for black folks. Well, yeah, and I wonder if it, this is a place where we can say that the celebration of various traditions within Christianity and within community may look different from different social locations, right? A celebration of freedom um, might be a call to repentance for those who are still in power and those who are um, in positions of privilege, uh, whereas it's a very different kind of day for black communities, right? And I, but I just think that in general, when we're looking to frame the gospel, when we're looking to understand the truth of Jesus and, and understand like how to apply the words and teachings of Jesus here and now. All of us fare better when we look to those folks that Jesus centered in his ministry, right? And that's, you know, we talk about that all the time here. Radical inclusion means centering the people who have been most marginalized um, and hearing the prophetic truth of that experience. And I think that the 4th of July as a framework for like patriotic Christianity centers privilege on privilege on privilege on privilege. And, but the narratives of Juneteenth and the resiliency of black folks in the United States to claim freedom in the midst of oppression, that sounds so much more gospel oriented to me. And how, what would it look like if that was a call to repentance for, for folks, for white folks in particular, for non-black folks generally, um, and a, a celebration of freedom and resilience 
for for black people and and a call to liberation for all. Yeah, I mean, I think that white folks can faithfully celebrate and and lift up and uh, center, you know, people of color, black folks. You know, if we're talking about Juneteenth, for instance, they absolutely can do that faithfully. I think it, it becomes a problem when it becomes performative allyship, when it becomes. Um, taking over space that isn't yours um, to begin with, right? And like, I think we, the the idea of liberation is to move it to all of our space, right? But that can only happen when we central when we centralize, you know, the voices that have been harmed and marginalized, right? So I think that it's possible that we all could faithfully celebrate Juneteenth, and the faithful thing to do is to get rid then of. July 4th. Absolutely. And I think that either way, whether we, whether we try and imagine what it would mean to celebrate Juneteenth as a Christian community, um, which to me, just, it just, it's like modern exodus, you know? Um, like this is, this is the core story of our tradition, that God is at work for black people in this country in the midst of slavery and, uh, and oppression, right? Um, that's, that's the heart of the gospel. So, I think that there's so much potential there, but even if we, if we were to say like, hey, you know, we're just not even messing with secular holidays here. We're going to figure out from our own ancient traditions how to do this. Either way, it's really a call to divest from the, the patriotic, nationalistic identity that has been thrust upon us and disentangle that from Christianity. Because even if we were to celebrate Juneteenth, to celebrate July 4th is to take the side of, of like Thomas Jefferson, right? And to, uh, against the monarchy of England, like, yeah, who cares? Um, I mean, lots of people did and do, and, <laughs> you know. But, but in the scheme of the gospel, that, those are two powers of oppression fighting one another in so many ways. Um, and, you know, we all love Hamilton, and we all wanted to see, you know, America. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, in, the, in the story of Juneteenth, uh, we are invited then to have identity, to hold the identity of the oppressed and the enslaved, to hold the identity of black Americans as the central heroes of the story over and against um, slave-owning uh, white oppressors and the system that allowed that continue to continue for so long. Um, and I think that that's a really different orientation. I think you brought up before that even, you know, even in our own texts and histories, that when we're talking about the Exodus, we need to be careful to figure out how, you know, where am I aligned with the people of Israel and where am I aligned with Egypt and Pharaoh? And I think it's a similar... It's a similar challenge you're raising here about Juneteenth, that to celebrate that, we need to, to also think critically about, you know, where am I aligned with the struggle for freedom, and where am I benefiting from oppression and domination, and I need to divest from that. Yeah, I mean, because the, the history is complicated, right? Like, people were trying to get away from oppression in one place, or trying to oppress others and that's how they gained land right that's how it happened in the bible that's how it happened here in in the usa um and and i think that you know fine okay let's let's celebrate july 4th but what are we celebrating i think that's the question right is how did we harm you know native folks 
how did we how what did we have to take and do to become this country and I think if that's how we went about it um, that it would be a different conversation I don't think there'd be so many uh, fireworks right um, but but it is it's the thing of of every time someone takes something um, we we think of ourselves as the heroes of that story um, and and therefore whitewashing so much of of history and I'm in I'm in a history class right now and so I'm like brimming with history of like of social work for instance of how how so many good things were coming right but how many of those stories are being told from the other side of folks who were were um, being basically indoctrinated into America with the lie that America is this place where anything and everything can happen, that you come here and you get the white picket fence and the home, and for some folks, that happens. And guess what? It comes at a cost of other people. And so I think um, that that is what we always should be thinking of and pushing on um, as to, to who are you? Are you the Israelites or are you Pharaoh? Um, and then once you're not Pharaoh and you're the Israelites, what did the Israelites do? They went on and conquered land. So, so you know, I think we all have something to think about and learn in that, in that story. Yeah. And, and truly, I think that the, the 4th of July and Independence Day is that kind of turn where once freed from, from a type of captivity and a type of, of being beholden to someone, um, to be, you know, the, the, the empire of England profiting off of folks who were coming and trying to do a new thing, uh, taking that freedom and then immediately using it to dominate and commit genocide. <laughs> And that's, you know, and these are the, that's the truth of the scripture that is, that calls us out to say, you can take that turn so quickly. Um, and these are the patterns of human uh, oppression and domination. And I was just going to say, that's the pattern, right? Yeah. Like we saw it in the Bible. We're seeing it on July 4th. Who's doing it now in this time, in these moments? It's happening, right? And so like, we have to always be, uh, everybody says like, look at the past so that we don't repeat the, the, the horrors, but we do. And so it, it's that question of like, why aren't we looking at that? We can, I guess, then like look at July 4th and say, okay, how, how did this affect us and how do we do better next time? And those, that next time is right now, you know? So maybe we, we hang on to July 4th also as a day of repentance. And it's a day of, uh, of repentance for the history of colonization and the ways that uh, each of us have, have continued to perpetrate it um, and a call to do better and to do right by Native folks and, uh, and, and repent. I don't know. Yeah. So much potential. Very different, though, than the, than the uncontroversial flag-waving of most of the American Christian, Christian church. I do like a good brat, though. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, we're going to leave it there. Uh, will you join me in prayer? God of the whole earth, God of each person in this country and in every country throughout time, God uh, beyond empire, God of the kingdom, we pray that you would root us in your love, that you would allow us to see ourselves more fully in your image, that we could disentangle that from the earthly attachments that we have, including uh, to uh, abusive calls to nationalism, to whitewashed hi histories, 
and uh, to misguided loyalties. God, may you invite us always through every event and historical moment, through every story we tell one another, um, and through every community reflection we share. Can you invite us into uh, repentance and uh, repair, that we could see harms that have been done, harms that we have perpetrated, uh, and that we could contribute to repairing those and healing. God, I pray that you would allow us to see the ways that we have been harmed by these systems and structures of evil, that we could be awash in your grace, and that we could heal together. God, you are good, and may your freedom take precedence over any human ideas of independence, and may you usher us into a new kind of identity, a new kind of kingdom, the anti-empire. In your name we pray. Amen.